Hello, I'm Tommy Peeler, and this is our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. Thank you for listening to us as we seek to carefully examine the words of the Psalms. And today we find ourselves studying Psalm 8. Let's read Psalm 8 at the beginning for the choir director on the Geteth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens, from the nursing mouth of infants and babe from the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease when i consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him You have made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the work of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 is a beautiful psalm. Psalm 8 is a psalm. It is a praise psalm. I say that it's a praise psalm. There's no specific call to praise, nor there is nor is there a specific reason to praise, but everything leads us in the direction of praise to God. In 1969, when America landed Apollo 11 on the moon, they had a silicone disk in which they left messages from 73 nations. And the message from the Vatican was Psalm 8. That was the message that they left on the moon. This psalm is truly a psalm which has affected all of our world. This psalm has an inclusio, and by that I mean that it begins and ends with the same words, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, what is the significance of that inclusio? That means that everything we read in this psalm is to be viewed through that lens of the opening and the beginning. We might read Psalm 8 and tend to think it is a psalm that praises man for his position in the universe. But the key point of Psalm 8 is not the exalted position of man. But the key point of Psalm 8 is the glory of God. And this inclusio reveals this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The inclusio focuses our attention on God. 
Now, in this particular psalm, as it begins by describing the majesty of the Lord's name, it says that you have displayed your splendor above the heavens. God has truly displayed his glory in the heavens and, yea, even above the heavens, above them, according to this passage. In Psalm 19, we see that the heavens speak of the glory of God. But this passage reveals to us that his splendor is revealed from above the heavens. And while the highest heights praise God's name, also the mouth of infants and nursing babes establish praise. God is praised in the highest heights, and God is praised by the weakest of men. God is praised by the infants and the nursing babes. And the Bible says, because of your adversaries, to make the enemy and revengeful cease. Now, in the body of this psalm, in Psalm 8, beginning with verse 3, it seems like to me there are three contrasts that are being made. First of all, the psalmist contrasts the greatness of God with the small heavens. Now, why would I say that the heavens are small? The heavens are small because the heavens are the work of God's fingers, according to Psalm 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, in verse 6, the heavens are said to be the work of your hands. So while the heavens are immense, they are small compared to the Creator. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, the Bible talks about God who holds the waters of the world in His hand or who marks off the heavens by the span. God is so enormous, God is so huge that He dwarfs the things that he's made. And as great as the heavens are, when I consider the heavens, when I look at the moon and the stars, he is overwhelmed that God, with his fingers, can simply place them where he wants them in the heavens. The greatness of God is contrasted with the smallness of the heavens. The heavens are immense. Do you know that if you could travel the speed of light, which not many people have done, but if you could travel the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to get from one side of our galaxy to another. 100,000 years traveling the speed of light. The distance between us and neighboring galaxies is greater than that. And yet our God spoke it all into existence. Our God moves the heavenly bodies around with simply his fingers. How big is God? How enormous. So this psalm contrasts the greatness of God with the small heavens. 
But second, the the psalm contrasts the immense heavens with man's insignificance. As small as the heavens are compared to God, man is very small compared to the heavens. When I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars, the work of your hand, when we think that God is the creator and God is the author of all of these, and he simply spoke these into existence, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? As huge as the heavens are, they are nothing before this God, and yet the heavens are so immense and so huge compared to man's insignificance. What is man? Generally, we would think of asking that question as who is man. But the Bible asks, what is man? And maybe that question, what, is asked to emphasize even more man's smallness. He's dismissed in almost a derisive way in this verse. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? The term man and son of man are used in verse 4 in parallelism. In this text, they refer to the same thing. They refer to mankind, humankind in general. The psalm contrasts the greatness of God compared to the relatively small heavens. The psalm contrasts the immense heavens compared to insignificantly small man. But the third contrast is man's smallness and insignificance is contrasted with his exalted place in the universe. Man's exalted place in the universe What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than God, the New American Standard says. You made him a little lower than God. And that accurately represents the Hebrew text of the Old Testament, which uses the word Elohim here. Now, there are various versions the Greek version, the Septuagint, the Latin version, the Vulgate, for example, which use the term angels here. What is, it says, you've made him a little lower than angels. But the Masoretic text, the Hebrew text, as you've made him a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You see, small man, as insignificant as he is, compared to the immense heavens, is made a virtual king by God. God has crowned him, in verse 5, with glory and majesty. And God, in verse 6, makes him rule 
over the work of his hands. God has crowned man. God has made man to rule. God has put all of his vast creation under man's dominion. You made him to rule over the work of your hands. And you put all things under his feet. Man is given dominion over all of creation. In verse 7, he's given dominion over the sheep and oxen and the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and whatever swims through the paths of the sea. Man is in control of the birds that fly and the fish that swim and of all the animals that roam the earth. It is amazing that man can tame the most powerful of beasts. James 3 makes a point of that and expresses wonder that man is unable to control his own tongue. But in this psalm, man's insignificant position, man's insignificant size, his smallness is contrasted with the exalted position that God has given him in creation. Psalm 8 verses 6 through 8 is basically a poetic retelling of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, where God creates man in his image and he gives man dominion over all that God has made. And this psalm ends just as it began. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 is a wonderful psalm, a psalm that expresses the greatness of God in contrast to the relatively small heavens. And yet the vast heavens make man look so insignificant. And yet insignificant man is given an exalted position in God's creation. Now this psalm is quoted frequently in the New Testament. For example, as Jesus cleansed the temple in Matthew 21 verses 12 through 17, the Bible tells us that he healed and did miracles. And the Bible tells us the children were praising him, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders were indignant and wanted Jesus to silence them. And Jesus quotes from Psalm 8, verse 2, from the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you've established strength. Jesus quotes from Psalm 8, 2, to defend what these are doing in praising him in the temple. It's fascinating to me that Jesus takes a verse that is addressed to God in Psalm 8 and applies it to himself in Matthew 21. Jesus can take the words about God in the book of Psalms and apply them to himself. Think about the implications of that for a moment. In Matthew 21, it is the chief priest and the scribes who are the adversaries and the enemy and the revengeful, while those simple people, the children, are the nursing babes 
and infants of Psalm 8, verse 2. The most extensive quotation of Psalm 8 in the New Testament is found in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2, verses 6 through 8, quotes from the words of Psalm 8, verses 4 through 6. It quotes from those words in the Septuagint. You have made him a little lower than the angels, the text says. And that passage in Hebrews 2 clearly applies this verse to Jesus. For Hebrews 2 tells us it uses the words of Psalm 8 and breaks down those words and applies them to Christ. Look in the text of Hebrews 2, verses 6 through 9, and I think you'll clearly see what we're pointing out. But he takes the phrases of this chapter and applies them to Christ. And the phrase in verse 6 You made him to rule over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That phrase, you put all things under his feet, is quoted specifically of Jesus in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. It's also taken and applied to Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 25 through 28. The question, what is man, is expanded in the New Testament as having implications that are so profound they can only be answered in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only the death and resurrection of Christ are big enough to satisfy this psalm. This psalm has been fulfilled as Jesus is praised by the infants and nursing babes and opposed by the enemy and revengeful. They are fulfilled in Jesus as he has tasted death for every man in Hebrews 2 and verse 9. And these words will be fulfilled in Jesus, in a greater sense, when he comes the second time and defeats death totally, and the last enemy will be put underneath his feet, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be put under his feet is death, and the kingdom will be delivered to the Father, that God may be all in all. Jesus has fulfilled it, and Jesus will fulfill it in a greater sense in the future. Psalm 8 is worthy of being carefully examined, and thus we look at it today in carefully examining the text. May the Lord bless you and keep you.